worshiping you, understanding your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is truth, your word is peace, your word is comfort, your word is life to us. And we bless you today. We thank you and you pray we praise you for your living word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So today we're going to continue talking about it's the law. Amen. It's the law. Cannot be disputed because it's the law. I like that. Put, striking down my gavel as an as an ossifer of the law. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, we all are ossifers of the law of God. So it's a good thing to know that. It's a good thing to know that there are certain things that cannot be disputed because they are written. The Bible is not only a book of stories and history and, and history of God and his people, but it's also a legal document. And it is a covenant or an agreement, an irrevocable covenant between God and the people on the earth. And it's it's available to whosoever will believe. Believe and obey the laws of God and you will receive what the law has demanded that you receive. Amen. So the last uh, uh, last week we were speaking about the law of uh, increase. And the law of increase. As you give, it's given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's the law. It's not skimpy, empty, barely enough. Keeping you worried that you won't be able to survive. But it's a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's the law. So, amen. So we have to understand this. That, that there are certain things that are mandated by God. And after you, you do the obedience, then you open your heart to receive everything that the law says you are supposed to receive. Nothing held back. No exceptions. Where we don't receive everything that God has for us is where we, we allow our souls to interfere with the work of the Spirit and the Word of God within us. The, the word and the spirit are working to get you to agree and expect what God's word says you're supposed to have. What often happens is our souls will interfere with that. And our souls will be, begin to diminish or greatly embellish what good measure present is shaking together and running over it. I mean all you have to do is say, God, I thank you for the good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, whatever God determines that to be, that's on God. It's not on us to look at it and say, well, I don't need that much, or we don't have to have that, or anything. Just say what God says about your situation and allow him to bring it to you. Sometimes we're, we're discouraged or we're disheartened by the results that we receive sometimes and but we what we really need to do is enter into all interactions with God with a heart of thanksgiving and thanksgiving takes care of your disappointment you got me takes care of your disappointment and so if if you will give thanks at all times in every situation and everything be a person who is thankful full of thanksgiving 
And I had to learn that in, in with people and situations and you know there are times when people disappoint you you know uh, um, and, and God would, would admonish me at times. He says well you're to be thankful. And I'd say, well, God, I don't have this. And he said, there's always going to be something you don't have. He said, but I tell you to be thankful. And then he started to show me how Thanksgiving put in motion so many things that would help my life that it began to be foolish for me to not be thankful you know it's kind of hard to hold on to your your uh, anger or your upset or whatever it is when God begins to work on your heart you know it just began to show me you know all the different things you know in my marriage there were times where I wanted my husband to be this or do that or do this or do that and then I started thanking God I said well God I thank you I have somebody to <laughs> beat up on and frisk that's the law no it isn't okay Wake up. Sleeping on me like that. Wake up. Well, y'all wake up. Amen. Thou shalt frisk thy spouse. It's the law. <laughs> Thou shalt turn him upside down and hold him by his heels and shake. No. Okay. That's the good measure part. Press down, shaking together. Okay, uh, shaking that brother together. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's stop it. I'll stop it. <laughs> yeah, you liked it. Come on, let me uh, assume the position. Asafer <laughs> Williams is here. To whatever. <laughs> That's right. Anywho, where was I? I digressed. <laughs> Thanksgiving. That's right. Thankful you got somebody to pat down. You know, somebody to bark at you, bring you this, bring you that, whatever. You know, I was thankful for it. And uh, I began to understand that, that if you look at the blessing side, of whatever it is you possess you do have something to be thankful for you know it's a blessing to you and so and even if you don't look at the the blessing side there's thanksgiving in your heart just for a toward God because he's God and so I learn how to allow the spirit of thanksgiving to come up out of me it was in there all the time I was pushing it down with my you know bad thoughts and complaints and all that kind of stuff and so I did learn how to let Thanksgiving well up from the inside of me and and it helped me through a lot of difficult times it's a great thing to be obedient to God's word and and so he says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God it's his will for you to give thanks amen and so we we have to obey God in all things and so so the law of of uh increase dictates that for every uh, uh, giving everything that we give God returns to us in that measure but increased good measure pressed down shaken together running over and so God is a God of abundance he's not a wasteful God so we said that the running over part is the part that we can never contain all of so you see a scripture that matches that in Malachi 3 that he'll open the windows of heaven pour out a blessing you won't have room to contain it so we talked about that fact that it can't be contained means it continually comes into our lives 
thing. One seed can produce continually. Now if you look at the laws of nature where we see that that law of the seed and, and harvest and all that in operation, you'll see that if you if you plant a plant and if it makes it through the winter through the dormant season then it will produce on its own the next year over and over and over and over again and it's the same thing with seeds that we plant in God they will produce over and over and over again seeds of faith if your faith couldn't grow from one type of time of using your faith to another you'd be starting from square one all over again now a lot of times we think we're starting from square one but trust me you're not because if you used your faith one time it has increased because of the using of it and you go back and dust it off where you left it the last time huh the truth we walk away from it but if you you go back and and start using your faith again you'll find that it is uh, a sufficient to at least bring in what it brought in the last time and more See, because it continues to increase, not only from use, but if you were, if it was ever used one time, it can be used again, and it increases from there. So these seeds—that's the running over portion. That that there's increase there waiting for you to use the next time you you step into faith. Yeah, we can tell that from our response, the response in your heart. Sometimes, if you you get your you get yourself distracted. Because situations are not going the way you think they ought to go. And they're certainly not going according to God's word and the desired effect in your life. And so you walk away from your faith, from holding on to your faith. And then you start to grumble or complain or look at natural or worry or something like that. And then somebody slaps you three or four times in the spirit huh? with the word. Huh? Amen. God's a faithful God. He will not leave a righteous life for sake of seed, begging bread, slap, 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 slap. And you snap out of it. And you go back and pick up that faith and that promise again. And it's not diminished. It's the same way it was when you left it over there to come over into the land of doubt and complaining. So all we do is we put step kingdom over into another because we get distracted. So anyway, when we when we understand uh, what God's doing, and that that increase is always it is the law. Okay, once you planted a seed, it must increase, and there must be uh, uh, overflow there for you to start you off on the next level. You, you, your faith would not increase if it weren't for the fact that, that it certainly doesn't diminish. Amen. Now you might feel that your faith is at a, a very low, but you're still in the flesh when you think that way. If you get back over in the spirit, you'll find your, your same little nugget of faith is holding on to what you asked God for the last time. Amen. And that faith really is making more than one answer at a time huh well that's good and bad huh? you know you, you're praying for a, a job and a house and, and Bubba calls 
Uh-oh. You mad at him because he'll never check on the kids. Uh-oh. You got me? Amen. And so here your faith has been making both of those because you say you pray for reconciliation with Uh-oh. that old boy. Preach. Huh? Amen. So they both show up. And, Why is it every time things going good I hear right here? Amen. Because he's in your little faith package. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, God is not like we are. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we want money more than we want health. Yeah. Or we want a job more than we want that promotion more than we want to be reconciled, you know, with people. Amen. Sometimes it's relatives. The outlaws will call you. Amen. Amen. It's the holiday. They're looking for some ribs. I knew they was going to be calling up in here. Dialing my phone. I'm going to get my phone chains and whatever. Uh, well, that's part of the blessing. Fellowship. Companionship. Reconciliation. You claim you're praying for them to be saved. Well, are they going to get saved if they don't come over and eat some ribs with you on the holiday? Wow. Uh, Amen. That's what they did when y'all was kicking it. Amen. Everybody bought a bottle and y'all started fighting before the ribs got done and fell away. This is the same you gonna fellowship again without the liquor, but they coming for the ribs this time. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise God. So all uh, you gotta be in a spiritual frame of mind to recognize what God's doing here. But he'll bring it all back to you. I mean all of that's hanging on that same kernel of faith that you planted. All your promises are hanging on that one. So oftentimes when you start to get blessed in one, you'll get blessed in the other one. See, it's the law. It's the law. God's got to bring all those promises to pass for you. So part of the overflow falls into the category or or the increase falls into the category of the prophet's reward. Because there is a law that says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Amen. Now prophets were known to carry the word of God and that can be good or bad for you. See, depending upon your frame of mind. I think the word's good all the time, but sometimes people don't want to be found. You know, they don't want to hear from God. They just want to do what they want to do and God when I want you, I come find you. You know what I'm saying? So the prophets kind of broke people out of that. They they let you know that God was everywhere. He could show up any time. And he could have something for you at all times. See? Sometimes we need a word of correction. You know, if you're running from God and you don't want to see him, you need him to trip you up, set a trap for you, open a, a hole in the floor for you, anything to get you contained so that you can get back on the right road. And so prophets represented the sovereignty of God that they would come out of nowhere into your life and you know you get a little nervous you don't know what they what what does God want why is he sent it how come I got had this person in my life you know kind of thing and so but and so that was why it was difficult to receive them Amen. Um, I forget who it was one of the prophets when the when Robert's Lord went to heaven 
and was able to talk with some of the old patriarchs and he mentioned a conversation that he had with one of the older prophets and he said well you know uh, when I I would come into a city God would send me there and half the people would run and half the people would just stand there frozen because they didn't know what God wanted to say you see what I'm saying and so that was the way that God would speak to men back in that day and it's one of the ways that he speaks to men now and so when, when God has a word for us he will send it in the package of a prophet and and oftentimes those people are not received because you never know what God wants Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. can be good, bad, can be correcting it can be, you know, the first thing that goes through your mind is uh, what did I do wrong you know, you start praying in unknown, unknown tongues <laughs> <laughs> see if you can get out of this thing, you got me and so it's, it's uh, difficult to open your heart to the good the bad and the unknown sometimes and so that's why there's a reward for that you know God understands human flesh doesn't want to submit and doesn't want to hear and doesn't want this and doesn't want that so he offered a reward for that if you would receive from the prophet and receive the prophet now prophets come as a package deal you ever notice you really can't control them what they say what they do what they it's a package deal so it comes in the form of the sovereignty of God because it can't be controlled manipulated or talked out anything they just continue to do what they do you know it's only business you know don't take it personal and so that's why because it, it comes kind of as a package there are certain things God instructs you to do for that prophet and and they in reward and return will give you the reward that God has designated for you. Uh, in back in the day, anybody with real good sense would would bear some gifts to the prophet, and it was usually it, you ever notice it wasn't God's people; it was always strangers <laughs> that brought a gift or an offering or something like that. Well, because they were God's representatives, and they they worked in an itinerant fashion. You didn't find a prophet that was you know had a, a business on the side or uh, anything like that especially after they were anointed they just went notice Jesus didn't do any carpentry in between gigs you know preaching gigs so you know that's what they call them even now and so we, we have to understand that that call was a called out and you went in full time service to God in obedience to God and so oftentimes people would find if they showed a kindness to the prophet they would get something back that was common it's common to know that and so uh, this is what is going on here in Second. Kings chapter 4 and starting in verse 8 we see this the law of the prophet's reward coming to someone coming to a person and oftentimes God will have you uh, uh, have relationship with the prophet and uh, um, relate to them in some way that will help their work you got me it's in, now I've, I've not seen anything in the Bible uh, uh, that would indicate it being a personal favor to the prophet you know it, it's something that was necessary for their work 
you know, to maintain their work. Uh, Elisha and Elijah had probably the most consistent and close relationship of a of one prophet to another. He was pro- uh, Elisha's uh, Elijah's servant in the latter years of his life, and the Bible says he poured water over the hands of Elijah primarily because he was an elderly man and he needed assistance you know in in his daily living you know sometimes it gets like that and so when they say put water over his hands that's an indication that he served him all the days of his life not just when he was young and capable and you know we was going all over and he was we was Taking them mantles and slapping them all over everywhere and having a lot of fun and the big crowds was coming out. But you know, in the declining years of the prophet, because he had told God he wanted, uh, told the the servant, the elder prophet, that he wanted a double portion of his spirit, and so that was the condition. You know, if you see me when I leave. Sometimes God requires that you be faithful. Got me. Now, remember some years back and everybody had everybody's mantle and they didn't even know them and uh, you know they don't even read the Bible to find out what the conditions are you know so that you don't look stupid in front of people but you know the Benny Hinn would have 15 people at the meeting you know we're here to get your mantle they don't even know them they, you know don't serve don't do anything it's a hard thing to get from God and and it's really not just to be there and be some slave to some elderly man but it's because there's a lifestyle and an attentiveness to God that goes with the mantle that you got to learn and if God privileges you to be able to learn from somebody who can demonstrate that and you can pick that up like that that makes it a lot easier for you and you'll see it was worth it to Elisha because he did twice as many miracles he got what he asked for because he was faithful and what was, but you saw the other sons of the prophets laughing at him making fun of him when he followed him huh? oh he's going to die today well everybody knows that if you're a prophet you can get a word from God we all know he's going to die huh? but you over there shout making fun of me but I'm over here because I'm going to get something because I'm going to be with him until he dies and so it's a good thing to understand how these things are imparted because they're not imparted for no reason there's legal maneuvers and legal uh, uh, obedience that one has to do in order for this to come to pass for him and so uh, he says here in um, uh, verse 8 it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where it was a great woman a wealthy woman this is what that word means and she constrained him to eat bread so she invites him in to have a meal as he travels and so it was that as often as he passed by now this is this is God's condition in receiving you see it's not a one time thing see she invited him the first time but it says every time he came by she invited him mm-hmm. see that's the condition yeah. it's not just throw him a piece of bread one time and think the world's yours yeah. it's never that with God Amen. trust me it's never that with God number one it doesn't take much effort to do something one time 
Amen. You know, and we need to understand that because we're some of us are expecting too much for too little. Amen. You know, we think of one time, oh, I gave that big seed that time and I never got anything. Well, you got to give me another one too. Amen. You live every day. You got me? And so many times we, we look at things from a, a demented kind of perspective or, or a, um, you know, an embellished or exaggerated uh, on our part. It's always we're doing the most on our part and we're not getting anything, you see. That's never true because God keeps up with everything. But I just want you to see what... What kind of relationship is required for the prophet's reward? See, you, you can't just go to somebody's meeting one time and bless that ministry and think you're going to live all the days of your life in ease and comfort. It's it's just not so. And so the condition was, and I believe God spoke this to this woman's heart. The condition was that as often as he passed by he came and he ate with them he came and he ate with them and so this hospitality that she showed was something that people would do from time to time but wealthy people often did not have just any and everybody coming by not consistently now they might see somebody who's uh, uh, needs water and needs food because they have a long journey and they might have some pity on them and give them something but if it happens too often they're going to refuse because they don't want that person to start to depend on them see this is a common human way that your mind works well, I don't want them to start thinking I'm going to do this every time and I'm not going to be the one to support them and they don't work. I've seen what they do. They just bum around here. I'm not going to, you got me? There's a lot of reasons to refuse to help somebody on a consistent basis. So if this woman is doing this, God must be in it. You got me? You just don't do this and, and that. And so she began to examine him from all of these interactions that she had with him. She started to examine him how he did things. He no doubt prayed before he ate. He no doubt blessed his food before he ate. He no doubt treated her with respect. He didn't try to hit on her. He didn't have stupid conversation with her while he was there in her presence. He was obedient. He was a godly man. And he respected her and her household. And he made his servant do the same thing. Hmm? So many times people with a good gift get messed up because of the company they bring with them you see they don't get invited back again so in verse 9 she said to her husband behold now I perceive this took her a while to figure it out she had to get her natural understanding to sometimes in, in wanting something to happen good for us and entails another person's cooperation you gotta let them hear from God themselves on stuff it might take a while see for them to see a change in you it might take a while for them to understand that God has made a difference in you it might take a while but you keep serving God you keep doing the right thing you keep doing what you're supposed to do so she said I perceive he's a holy man of God and he passes by us continually she said let us make a little chamber 
I pray you, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he comes to us. When he comes to us. See, there's a a relationship here now. There's a relationship of her expecting him to come because he's come so far it's been consistent and she's expecting him to stay for a while so now she wants him to hang around for a little bit this is how people get converted folks this is how they get convinced about our God this is how they get to know God by observing us we come around them they can feel comfortable they can feel like they can live we can live we chat a little bit we understand some things we're on separate sides of the table now the prophet's not going to compromise trust me if he's going to live for God he's going to live by faith and if God says don't go by there anymore he won't go by there he'll know God's going to bring his help through someplace else so she makes something his own little place for him and he can come and go on his own and he can have his own privacy he can do what he he can have freedom now to do what he wants to do and that's what he needs there's nothing granted us by God that we don't need this is not some uh, over the top sweet penthouse suite in a hotel just because your ministry can afford it and they think they deserve it this is something that's necessary for him perhaps she sees that when he leaves He's tired still and he needs a place to rest. There's something in her that responds to this as being a necessary step in his life that would help his life in some way. She's not looking at it for anything from God. She just wants to honor this person as a person of value. It's difficult sometimes for people who have wealth to have friends or to have good relationships you know everybody's trying to rip you off all the time everybody's trying to get what you have whatever and so she sees this man has nothing there's no guile in him he's got no ulterior motives he's not trying to hit her up for you know a special offering or anything like that he just comes and goes so she decides she can trust him and she makes him a permanent place it says and it fell on a day that he came there and turned into the chamber and was lying there and he said to Gehazi his servant call the Shunammite and when he had called her she stood before him now this is a judgment time huh? And you think about it this has every indication of a courtroom procedure she's been summoned to stand before God's representative on the earth for judgment of her deeds just like Cornelius he was called God one day decided he had to judge this man's deeds whether they be good or bad and meet out whatever the law required for him so here this lady is having her deeds toward this man of God judged because she's been called before him summoned to him and this is an official act from God that's why I tell people if God gives you a prophecy for somebody you don't have to chase them down in order to give it to them God will bring that person before you 
Amen. That's the proper way to do it. This, this stuff of, you know, calling people and following them into the bathroom and sneaking up to them in somebody else's meeting and say, I got a word for you and go get it, just track them down. You, these things are, are, are legislated by God for a certain type of, of interaction. If you, you look at Elijah when he went up to, to look at the sons of Jesse. Each one came and stood before him. He didn't go running off chasing every. He said, call him up here. Do you have, this is official business from God. Anything else is stupid. You know, people won't come to you. They don't want what you have, so leave them alone. Respect people's privacy. So he says, he called her to him. She stood before him. And he said to him, "Say now to her. Now, now, this is this is what this is the order of it. I think twelve and and uh, twelve and fifteen are redundant. So he he sends a servant to talk to her and ask her. Behold, you've been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for you? Would you be spoken to for the king or the captain, the host? Blah 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 blah. She says, "No, thank you. I don't want your God." That's what she's saying. I dwell among my own people. He's trying to expand her influence. Is there something else you need? What is it that's on your heart? Everybody's limited. I know you're a wealthy woman and you're self-sustaining and you got all this. But there's limitations on everybody. God is here to take away the limitations of your life. Huh? That's what the, the what, that's what the prophecy and the prophet are for to take the limitations off your life and bring you into a place where you can get what God has for you. See, the the body of Christ is recognizing this now. When we first started this ministry, you know, 25 years ago, you got chased out of churches, you got laughed at, and then people found out they were confessing the word that wasn't doing anything. Why? Because they didn't have enough power on it to get anything done. Because if you chase the prophet out, you chase the power to bring that word to pass. You bring the timing off that word. You break the accuracy off that word. You just—it's just confessing. That's why people are done with church and confessing now, because they're confessing out of their souls. They think if they say it enough times, God will do it. If they hocus pocus over it, that'll help it some too. They're trying everything without the unction and the power for that word to take off and do something for them. And that's the problem. So I feel like this. If if God wants to to let them make up their minds when they want to submit to the prophet, they'll show up somewhere where the prophet is. They know where everybody is now. They know who's accurate and who's not. And when they want something from God, they know where to come and they know what they can get when they get there. So praise the Lord. You know, you don't struggle and strive with people. And many times the things that they need, they cast out and ridicule. It's the same as it's always been. It's the same as it's always been. And so he he has her stand there because she's being judged now. Whether what she's done is acceptable to God and worthy of reward, approval or whatever. Remember Gehazi? Ran off after Naaman with all that wealth and all that and he got judged. Didn't he? Huh? He said, "What are you doing, Hazel? <laughs> what are you doing, brother? <laughs> you messing with my stuff? Amen. No better. Hmm? Amen. 
And the leprosy that had been on Naaman came on him. Hmm? Amen. The prophet said, is it time for us to receive? Amen. Huh? <laughs> Oops. I thought it was. I'm sorry. You're not paid to think around here. Hello. Neither was the prophet. He's paid to obey God. You got me? It's about obedience, folks. It ain't about thinning all the time. What you think you could use or what you think you deserve or what you think you're supposed to have or what you you thought God told you you're supposed to call that man and lie to him. You ain't he thought nothing like Come on now. Huh? It's true. So she stood before him and she said, No, none of that. Then he said, What is to be done for her? Gehazi answered and says, She has no child and her husband's old. So, you know, Gehazi is in his circle, the prophet's in his, and Gehazi runs in his crowd. So the crowd that Gehazi runs in told him all that woman's business. Mm-hmm. Prophet didn't have time for that. He's trying to hear from God. Amen. You got me? Yeah. But he knows. The servant knows. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Amen. Prophets know everybody what they keep up with, what they don't keep up with, who to go to for what. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you got me? Yeah. They know who pays attention to what, mm-hmm. what, what you think is important and all that kind of stuff so if they need some information they know where they can go pretty much the prophet knows by God but he gets the servant involved now why do you think they get servants involved in training if Gehazi is a good boy and minds his manners and does what he's supposed to do at some point those words will be his words that come to him directly from God. But if you can't obey them through the man or woman of God who already can hear from God, God won't bypass that person and let you hear on your own. I'm going to say that again. Because see, people think God is in their pocket telling them what they want to hear all the time and bypassing his authority system and bypassing ministers and prophets and people like that who are called to speak for him. Now, I'm not a Bible, but God does give me authority to speak into your life some things. You can always verify it by witnessing your spirit if it's God or not. You got me? Now, why does God do that? I mean, I could just read my Bible. No, you can't. The kingdom isn't set up that way. And if you were such a Bible reader, you wouldn't need half what you need. So come on, let's quit playing with each other. You know, you ain't reading that much Bible, you don't need a minister. Amen. Mm-hmm. Government is, is comes through the fivefold. That's just all there is to it. So let's get real here. So he had he called her and he said to her About this season according to the time of life you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie to your handmaiden. Now, there's doubt expressed. Even though this is something that she wants, she thinks it's impossible. So here all this time, she's judged him as a holy man of God 
and worthy to live under her roof but when it comes for something she needs personally giving to her she's got a hindrance there and that's always true it's always true you can you can uh, you know admire Benny Hinn you can admire his work you can admire what he does and for other people you see other people getting healed but if he came to you and told you God was going to do something that you desperately wanted you might have some doubt there as to what because when it comes to doing it for us personally we oftentimes have a problem with that now Jesus knew that when he preached and he taught he knew he would get into to, to, uh, places where people the gospel was new to them they weren't accustomed they were used to the, the uh, dead letter of the Pharisees and all that temple stuff and giving offerings and, and all of this stuff before you could hear from God and now God's giving freely to everybody so of course everybody's going to look at well this is way different from what we're used to you know so he would preach and, and help that unbelief and move it out of the way and let their faith come forth so they could receive what he had for them and so here we see the law of the prophet's reward being legislated on her behalf God has said this is the day of judgment for her deeds and we find that she has been careful for them with all this care she's built him his own little apartment there he comes and goes as he pleases he has free access to his quarters and that qualifies her for the prophet's reward that qualifies her for the prophet's reward and so she expresses this doubt verse 16 there's doubt there verse 17 though it says the woman conceived can you conceive even though you express doubt of course you can of course you can huh you get it in some form huh you get it in some form so God honors the amount of faith that we exert hmm? and for certain things that are matters of say like natural situations or natural things God can shut or open a womb as he desires you know and, and generally once the womb is open then it's up to human effort you can have as many kids as you want to once you get the first one first ball rolling you know it might be a little hard to get that, that, that going there but once it's going it's turned on pretty much you ask any woman that's got kids if, <laughs> you know oh yeah I, I realized real quick if we didn't do something we'd have a repeat 3p 4p 5p 7p see every year and so that's that's kind of God's law as far as reproduction is concerned you have seed within you bearing fruit after its own kind amen so once the faith has been established in your 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 body for that seed to be ripened it's going to happen folks so it just continues to happen so here she she has this child she conceived bore a son at that season that Elisha said to her according to the time of life so it came that's the prophet's reward Amen. it was the law that she had done uh, in obedience to God now this is the other thing about the prophet's reward these things must be offered as unto the Lord they can't be done with some kind of manipulative element in there 
So the fact that she did this of her own volition, she did this of her own accord, she felt good about doing this, there was something in her that probably responded to God in some way, even though she didn't know that God. But he was moving on her heart to, to show pro- favor to his servant. And so she, she responded in obedience. You see, she didn't ask anything from him. You got me? Now, it might have been pride, or it might have been she she wanted to still worship her own God. You know, I don't want anything from you. I want to do this for you, so forth and so on. But in some way, God has to, to bridge that gap there and bring, the, bring them together. Because God is not in anybody's life just to do things for them. He's there to be God to them. So he wants to be this woman's God. That's part of the prophet's reward. The greater reward is that you you have a relationship with God. You have favor with God. You have something. You're introduced to God in some way. He's not going to just do things for people and we're outside of relationship. You know, that's going to dry up after a while. You know, I know parents who have kids that, you know, they're always telling the kids, well, you know, I'll pray for you, so and so and such and such and all this. But at some point, you need to tell them, you know, we'll pray together. At least get them involved in it so that they can get some kind of relationship aspect going. And if they refuse that, that'll give you a clue. You got me? I want his stuff, but I don't want him. And you don't want that ever to be said about any of your seed. You want your seed to want God first and foremost. Because if they think God's going to chase them down because mom and dad chase them down and pray for them and want them to have everything, what is that? Is that a clear picture of who God is? See? That's God in your pocket. And so, anyway, he blesses her according to what she has has obeyed in God. She's doing these things in obedience to God, whether she realizes it or not. She winds up saying she, she doesn't want anything, but she does conceive, and she bears a son just as the man of God told her. Now, these things are, are sign evidence of God's existence, of his character. They have to be established for people. So if that prophet's words come to pass exactly the way she said, she knows for certainty that he is a prophet of God. So God puts the nail in the, you know, puts the final nail in the house to let her know that yes, you thought he was a holy man of God. Yes, you've been observing him all this time. Yes, he's he's my servant. Yes, he's I'm a good God. Yes, he wants to bless you. Yes to all of the doubtful questions that she may have had in her mind regarding him. And so in verse 18 it says, Now when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out <coughs> to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, Carry him to his mother. So it sounds like this kid was old enough to at least be out uh you know, helping maybe helping the dad with the work or observing the work. You know, if he was a very wealthy man, he had a lot of servants. This kid was doing what he did. He's learning the family business at this point. So he's old enough now to pick up on that kind of thing. 
And so the bed tells him to carry him into his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So it sounds like he might be a pretty big boy. You know, his mother's used to consoling him when he's sick, etc., etc. That's a, a normal thing for moms to do to take care of a kid that's not feeling well. But it sounds like he was of pretty good size or pretty good age. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Now... It looks like the doubt that she had in verse 16 has borne some fruit in her life. Got me? It would have to be. Because God gave her, verse 17, she conceived according to the time of life. It's the law. God did his legal duty as far as giving this woman the prophet's reward. After God blesses you and puts something in your possession, it is your responsibility to care for it and tend it and make sure that you continue to breathe life on it. Now, let me tell you what doubt does. If doubt is not confronted and if doubt is not cast down, and prophesied to you and the word of the Lord come in and take the place doubt will diminish the the, uh, value the life expectancy it will begin to take away from whatever it is in your life that you possess you've got to kill doubt starve them out don't let them live because doubt does work to produce and eat away at the blessings of God. Mm-hmm. So she doubt might have caused her to think like this in her mind. When the baby was just born, you know, she probably enjoyed being a mother. She enjoyed all of those things, but the doubt would creep in and say, I wonder how long he's gonna live. He's he's healthy now, but Huh? Yeah. Or well, if he gets to be 12, it'll be a miracle. Wow. Huh? Amen. Well, if I could just, if he could just live long enough for me to see him do. Okay. Okay. Anybody here know ever thought something like that? Hmm? Yeah. Huh? When something comes into your life that you didn't think you would ever see, you have to be careful to stay in the presence of God to stay in the life force of God to continue to kill doubts if doubt comes and say nope this baby will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord this baby will but she was not in a place to do any of that because what did she tell the prophet when he said do you want me to speak No. no I live among my own people so in other words if God wants to bless me he can bless me but I'm not making a step over closer to you or your lifestyle or I don't want to be a Jew I mean that's going too far got me well you got friends like that huh you got friends they're sick all the time and you tell them to come to healing school and they don't want to do it but they still want to suck off of you and reach off of your prayers and complain to you every time they're sick but you offer a solution and they don't want that 
Huh? Well, you know I'm Baptist and we don't believe all that stuff. Well, I know I'm sick, but you know we still don't believe all that stuff. Huh? So then, after she puts him in the room, shut the door upon him, and went out, she takes him back up to the place really where he was conceived. She goes all the way back to square one where she started. Thinking. Well, if I got that word in there, this is where he lives and he's got some power. Huh? Still mooching off of his power. You see what I'm saying? She don't want it working in her life. She don't want to pay the price for it herself. Everybody always thinks the price is too great to serve God. Everybody. Until you're forced to confront, I got to do this or die. You got me? So she called her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I might run to the man of God. And he said, Why are you going to him today? It's not Easter and it's not Christmas. That's usually when you go see him. (laughs) Hello? This is the point set in the Easter lily crowd. That's true. It is. They only go to church on holidays. And see, the the husband tells on her. See, this tells everything. Huh? She's a part-time so-called servant of his because, listen, well, he comes to the house all the time. He knows I don't work. I'm not busy. I don't have no excuse for not going. Wow. Go and pay lip service to his God. Let's go and pretend like we're. Huh? Amen. So she says, It shall be well. And she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, don't slack. And you're riding for me except if I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God. See how it is? After it falls apart in your hands, now it's a big emergency. Huh? Everything's but (laughs) Come on now. Dead is dead and God is God. It took Jesus three days. To respond to an invitation to go pray for Lazarus when he was sick. When he got there he was dead. But Jesus is the resurrection. So he said anywhere I go. If you you know hit me the right way with your faith. I can make anything come back to life for you. Don't matter. If God. If God. If if to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And God holds all souls in his possession. All he has to do is show up. And you ask him the right thing. And he can deliver into that soul. Whatever he needs to deliver into it. And she knows about the man of God. She'd seen that man do a lot of miracles because he was right there on her property probably doing many of them. Trust me, if he had a little house there on her property and and people knew where he was, the line was from here down to there of people coming to see him whenever he would get in town. So she knew what the goings on was. She knew what it was all about. She had faith for an emergency miracle. But she didn't have faith if she would serve God, she wouldn't have any problems anymore. So she went and found the man of God. She went to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when he saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, a servant, Behold, yonder said Shunammite, Run now, and I pray you to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? 
Now why you think he asked her that? Because he knows it ain't well. He knows she comes on Easter and Christmas and it couldn't be well. I'm going to say it again because y'all don't get my drift. She comes on Easter and Christmas and it couldn't be well with her. How's it going to be well with you and you don't worship God continually? How's it going to be well with you and you don't present offerings and gifts to God continually? Remember Cornelius? He did it continually. When she was inviting him in, she did it consistently and continually. That's what got her that baby. So there's something she's not doing consistent and continually that has made her doubt grow to the level that now it's producing. You got me? It's not that God's, oh, I'm going to kill a baby. That's sure. It ain't about that. It's that these things die of their own from neglect on our part. If we're not consistent in our service to God. You got me? Your doubt has to be killed by continually hearing the word. Your doubt has to be killed by by preaching that comes to you. Now, grant me, I love Christian television. It's better than the R-rated stuff they got on there. But that sermon is not for you. You can glean some things off of it. But the sermon that's for you is delivered live in your place of worship. Huh? Because the Holy Spirit reads every heart that's in here and knows exactly what you need. And you can get your own word from God. And that's what she was missing because her doubt grew to the level that it began to overshadow this kid's life. The doubt ministered to her. I can remember um, uh, uh, a football player, Chris Spielman. His wife, Stephanie, had breast cancer. It's been probably about at least 15, 20 years ago now. He was a guy, he quit football to take care of his wife and small children. She went through chemo, everybody in the house shaved their head and all that. And she was a great fundraiser for women's research in cancer. In fact, her cancer advanced very quickly and they thought that she would die several times. And I remember we put her on our divine health prayer list and prayed for her. Every time we saw progress on her, we clip it out of the paper and keep it. And Stephanie lived until her oldest child was about 18 or 20 years old. That's always the telling sign. Huh? Because when you're believing for a miracle, you have to take the limits off. You got to take the time off the miracle. And many, many parents will say to themselves, "I just want to live long enough to see my children grow up." And then when they grow up, they die. You got me? What you need to say, let me see my children's children's children. My great-grandchildren. Let me have long days and length of life on this earth, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm your servant. If I leave nobody to praise you in this house, nobody's going to pray for nobody. Don't let me get out of here. <laughs> you got me? You demand long life, length of days. We set our sights too short sometimes. It's doubt working against us. And it says, <clears throat> so she went there and, 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 and he said, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Huh? You need no doubts, folks. It ain't hard to do. And she answered, it is well. 
Huh? Uh huh. This girl ain't but so stupid. Huh? Cause she figured out what her problem was. She thought to herself, when that baby, she said, I knew, I knew that would happen. Because why? Because she'd been thinking it. She'd been expecting it. She's been speaking it. But trust me, when she got the man of God down, she said, I ain't confessing no doubt no more. Bliss, fight, everything's well, 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 well. That's what the religious do. They get their confession together and make it sound like they're full of faith. But she's working on it. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by his feet. Yeah. The haze I came near thrust her away. You know how it is. Bad ushering. I'll do it. <laughs> and the man of God said, "Let her alone." Mm-hmm. Now you know they that that be fair to ushers and people like that, armor bearers, so to speak. It is common that people will try to assault ministers, you know, and, and stuff like that. And you all know, we know that because of what's happened recently here in Detroit. But but on the other side, uh, they need to be knowledgeable about knowing by the spirit that's on somebody that she's not there to harm him. You got me? But, so, but he's accustomed to pushing people away more than letting people Touch him. It's it's hard to to stay under the anointing and under the power of God if you're mishandled and manhandled. You got me. And so uh, <laughs> you just you can't be let people roughing you up. And you know, like sometimes people come up to the altar and want to grab hands and pray with me. You know, and I don't let them do it because it's just wrong. You know, they're dissipating the anointing, pulling it and and putting it in confusion. So you know, you gently just pull away from them and sometimes or you know sometimes people need consoling Mm -hmm. and I know the difference so if I need to hug them I'll hug them trust me but you know you you don't initiate physical contact with somebody who's anointed got me you know in an aggressive way so he said to Hazar gird up your loins Take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, don't talk to him. Now, this is the protocol when you're carrying a message from God. Mm-hmm. If I chatted with you, God told me to, to tell, give somebody a, a prophecy I stop and chat with you. What do you think that's going to do to the word that's inside of me? I'm going to pick up some of what you got. So you don't do that. You got me? And, and when when prophecy comes, you know, now you guys aren't guilty of that because you understand what how to obey the Holy Spirit. But, you know, sometimes people want to just come up and talk to you in the middle of prophesying or something. You know, you sometimes you'll get a word, say, like for somebody, somebody standing next to them and knows them. They want to put in their two cents on it, too. You know, I'm going, come on now. Just... <laughs> Or somebody, sometimes people, spirits grab onto people. And they just stand there at the altar and chatter. And you just make them shut up so you can hear from God. So you can give them a word of ministry. Just don't let so much talking go on. So he says, if you meet any man, don't even say hi to him. If anybody says hi to you, don't you say hi to them back. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. Okay. Prophets know that, that servants have a... a they're just growing in the anointing. They don't have the fullness of it yet. They don't have the 
total discipline with it. And he knows too that the devil can steal the word and steal obedience and steal discipline from him. So he's teaching the servant how to stay disciplined under the power of God. So it won't. So when you get there, you'll have something, and you won't have released it on. Hey, brother, man, I was gonna come by yet. Yeah, I'm being. T- Amen. Coming over tonight. Stop it. You know. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Come on now. You're working for God. So and he must have known because I needed that discipline because he knows what he does. Amen. When he around him. Huh? And so mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. In other words, I'm coming to church every Sunday. I'm even coming on early to go to prayer. I'm coming to go to prayer. You got me? People know what they need to do. They know where their mistake is. Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Hmm? Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. Now it must be that Gehazi is a considerably younger man and he can run and do things. Elijah is probably older, not as fast as he used to be, etc., etc. So he needs the physical strength of the servant, but the servant needs his words. Yeah, see. And so Elisha, when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in there and shut the door upon the two of them and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and opened up his eyes. Now, why is it taking work for the working of miracles? Because that's what it's called, work. That's why they call it work, because you've got to work it. This is no time for somebody with a programmed understanding of just lay hands on them and they get up. You know, miracles must be worked. And you must know that God will not fail you. You must know that God will deliver. And so in the working of miracles, you have to, the conditions have to be right. You see there's nobody else up there but the prophet and the child. You see that the prophet is free to if he if he just gets a little bit it's like this. We prayed for for, for my child who was in a coma and now he's on life support. Well if the working of miracles gift is there, then whoever did that needs to keep working with it till the child comes you got me all the way. May not come that way. I've seen parents that leave everything to work with a child who was deformed or in a coma or something like that and that kid got at least in a wheelchair and able to eat and if they're still believing God he'll get the whole thing you got me because God is just that merciful and so the prophet knows that that now okay God this woman has confessed her unbelief she's confessed she knows what the trouble is she confessed she's a, a Christmas Easter Christian you know you know what I'm saying she just haven't been serving you 
like she's supposed to. And she thought that she could have a good life without serving you. Now she knows better. God will receive your confession and forgive you and you can repent and get your miracle back again. You got me? That's just how merciful God is. All he wants to do is hear you acknowledge your wrong, let him help you to do things right this time. And you can go on and live a full life, a great life, and a good life and get everything restored to you. That's what this woman did. She got the prophet's reward and through not yielding all the way to God, she lost it. See, it was a law she get that reward. She lost it through her doubt and her unbelief and her not acknowledging God as God. And doubt began to creep into her for her lack of, of relationship with God. See? It's not God took it back. It's not the law if you let a little bit of doubt come in, God don't take everything. It don't work like that. I'm telling you how it works. This woman had this boy for a certain number of years and she probably set a limit on his years through her doubt. And if she set a limit on his years through her doubt, then the devil was able to come in and make that manifest because she had no covering, no protection, no relationship, no covenant with God. And she recognized her mistake. She got it together. She went and bowed at the feet of the man of God. She honored him as a man of God. He wasn't somebody just living there and she was the boss of the relationship now. See? Now he's the boss of the relationship. This is where it should have been from the beginning. You got me? She did everything right except submit to God. You got it? Don't be one of those people who does everything right and then withhold that little bit that God, all God wanted her to do was recognize he was God and quit serving whatever else she was serving. And you know there's some other God that she's probably serving and not serving the one true and living God. Once he reveals himself to you, you better go run after him. Amen. Huh? Like they did with Jesus. You know, the 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 gathering demoniac Jesus said he wanted to follow Jesus everywhere Jesus said no go home to your family huh why did he do that because that's what that guy had always wanted and Jesus recognized it go home to your family get what you get restored to what was taken from you do that first huh then you can come follow me you got me and so these things are our laws it's the law that the prophets reward come into your life but you got to continue to serve God to sustain it huh got to continue to serve God. Brenda Zedlitz, remember her with her twin girls? Yeah. She had. She said she had no faith whatsoever that those, those babies were alive. When the doctor called her and told her that there was something wrong with the sonogram, she went in there fully expecting him to tell her those kids were dead. And she said that she, when, when they told her she was alive, God showed her. There was a, a prophet, a man of God, she said, she said he lived with them, I don't know, six months or something. And she said, for some reason, all he wanted to eat was tuna fish. And I got so sick of smelling tuna around the house. And, you know, he's weird and you know, all that kind of stuff. But they loved on him, served him as long as he was there. And, and God showed her. 
that you know it was the law she was due but in the prophet's reward is always increase it's always something multiplies it's always more of what whatever it was that you you had before it's also children reproduction that's consistent throughout the word of God you know, because the devil's always trying to steal life from people. And so when, when people are born, they call on the prophet of God to open their womb. You got me? And so these things are, are part of what is due people of God if they will obey God where that man or woman of God is concerned. That's always the catch. Because the enemy will come and steal the essence of the relationship. It's like he stole it from this woman. She made up her mind she's going to do everything but go to church and where the man of God was where he was. You got me? Make her offerings and sacrifices. Make his God her God. You got me? And so she was one of those people that stood afar off. But her doubt grew as she separated herself from the man of God. In worshiping God. You got me? Your doubt will grow as you separate yourself from the man or woman of God and and worshiping God. You know, it will not be what God wants it to be. And you're going to need that relationship and that faith to sustain any miracle you get from God. Huh? Anything you get from God. And so I was listening to Pastor Shirley was telling me about, uh, um, uh, geez, what's her name? The lady at the Gretchen. Remember little Gretchen at the car wash with the sign? She'd go around telling people, Get in here. You gotta get your car wash. This food's excellent. Gretchen ain't ate nothing, you know. Get in here and buy this food. This stuff's excellent. Well, she had a relative. Now, Gretchen's a registered nurse and she's had a lot of health problems. That's how Sheree met her. She was in the cancer treatment center at her hospital. And so, uh, she had made up her mind a couple years ago she was going to move out of state to go live with some relatives and help them take care of, of a young child that they had that was, you know, special needs or something like that. And Pastor Shirley told her, she said, well, Miss Gretchen, why don't you pray about it? She said, because just get yourself stable and get your health a little stronger. Get stronger in the world, blah, 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 you know. So she told her, oh, I'm, I think this is God, I'm going to go. Well, uh, Pastor Shirley said she'd been getting phone calls recently. This is a couple years ago. So she warned her. She said, Miss Gretchen, I don't think this is God. I really don't think you need to go. Uh, you know, why don't you pray and see if God has other help for these relatives, whatever, whatever. Gretchen, Shirley said she saw uh, some calls some on the caller ID in her house for several days. She said, you know, I was going to answer it and I couldn't recognize them. She said, I said, Susie, I don't know Miss Susie, nobody. So she didn't answer. So finally, I guess the Lord moved on her to answer her phone. She said, well, this person keeps calling. She said, I'm going to see who Susie person is. Of course, poor Miss Gretchen. She's out in Colorado. She said, Shirley, is that you? Is that you? <laughs> Stayed talking. And she says that when she got out there immediately, the devil started to attack her, attacked her health. And she says, I've been on life support. And she said, I had a, a cell phone, she said, and I went on the website and I started listening to the podcast. You got me? These little things of obedience, folks, that you think, well, we're getting on there and, you know, I do it because, hey, it's a way to get the word out to people. 
but it will amaze you. And she said, while I was on the respirator, she said, I would, she said, that's the only thing that brought me off that respirator. She said, they told me I had cancer again. She said, but my heart, I started to have heart problems. And she said, I tried to tell them there was nothing wrong with me. And she said, when they said cancer, she said, I sat up in the bed and I said, this affliction shall not come out the second time. <laughs> Gretchen had it in her, you see. And so she said, you know, she said, Pastor Shirley, she said, I'm so sorry. She said, I didn't listen to you. You tried to warn me this was a wrong move. She said, but from the minute I got here, it went from bad to worse. You think the devil won't kill you? Oh, yeah. He will. He will. He will if he can. And it's good if we can wake up and recognize his deception and try to get us to a place where he can finally put the nail in the coffin on us. Because if you walk away from obedience to God and you walk into a place where you can't see, hear, or know what's going on, he'll certainly spring a trap on you. He certainly did that. And so it's good to know the prophet's reward, folks, will come upon you even with doubt, but that doubt can't stay there long. See, you can't let that remain there. You've got to clear up the whole thing because he rewards you so you can know he's God and you can desire to serve him and serve him more. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. It comes with your holy word. And we bless you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for delivering the word of grace to us and blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen.